Hey, hey, Taryn, Mike. How are my favorite Maquis terrorists doing? G'day, Peter. Much better now. Thanks for calling us up here. Uh, and we'd prefer freedom fighters, thank you. But, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, look, Dolby was uh, about to start talking about his wife again, and I can only take that story so many times before I grab a pipe and pull a suitor on his ass. So, what's this whole thing about? Yeah, he said something about a, uh, a new holodeck program. Well, Joe's been cooking something up that he said was, and I quote, special. He specifically asked that I invite the two of you. I don't know what the fuck it is, but I do not have another co-worker murder simulator playthrough me right now, so this it is. Yeah, that is getting a little bit stale. Yeah, I already got uh, all the special dialogue from Choking Knee Leaks that Tom put in the last DLC, so yeah, why not? How, how bad could it be? What the fuck? What is that awful smell? <coughs> smell? Is that... Is that prawns being barbecued? Who the fuck barbecues a prawn? Where's that noise? Where's that music coming from? What, what are we in? Some godforsaken desert populated by tanned rednecks? Good day, mates! Welcome to Queen's Bum! May I offer you a fine bit of local food? We call it a bloomin' onion. What is that disgusting deep-fried monstrosity? This looks like a burnt arsehole, Joe. What what the hell is all this? I I got inspired. I decided to make a simulation of a quaint town from your country. I know you and Taryn are from Australia, so I did some database research and voila! Uh, I guess, do you guys not like it? No! Dude, this is just a simulation filled with terrible stereotypes. First of all, that is a war crime against prawns going on over there. Oh, so nobody listens to men at work? No one. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> no one. And hey, that's not Australian food, but I don't know what it is. Uh, you guys are full of shit. Bloomin' Onions rule. Sorry, guys. I, I didn't know. So how can I improve this? Well, first of all... Hang on, wait a minute. Who, who are those? Uh, who are those tasty-looking Sheilas over there? Oh, the the blonde ladies. Yeah. Uh, the the database said that all the women of Australia were hot surfer chick types. But listen, if I got that wrong too, I'm happy to go back and reprogram and no, make no, no. changes. No, no, uh, just, that's absolutely fine, man. That's fine. Yeah, uh, I'll double plus good over here. Nobody look me in the eye. That's that's fine. Completely fine. Definitely. Definitely. Um. Joe, you didn't you didn't program them any boyfriends, did you? Preparing to kiss the Blarney Stone. It's Feature Please, April Voyage to the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. And unlike the engineers who are not good at dealing with people, I'm your co-host. Peter. And we are joined by two very special additional co-hosts. Hello, I'm Mike. Uh, you might know me from the other episode that we did. <laughs> uh, and hey, I'm Taryn, um, also from the other episode that we did uh, a little while back, as well as um, from the uh, Hail and Well Met podcasts that we do. I, I don't think you guys are 
underselling it a touch. Uh, we did our hundredth episode with you guys, and then you you ambushed us with a a cameo from Robert Picardo. So uh, we'll just call that one uh, like a B plus. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> don't don't get your hopes up because there's no <laughs> secret, you know, Robert Picardo's at the Fuck, end. Of this I had my hopes set on Beltran. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. You guys can do this yourself. Fuck. We it. reached out to Wang, but he just said he's not available. So he's too busy Delta flying. Yeah, <laughs> his rates probably skyrocketed. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, though. My hope was crushed by having to watch this week's episode. What was that, Peter? Season six, episode eleven, Fairhaven. This is going to be, uh, I believe, one of a number of entries that Star Trek has made into shitting all over the Irish. <laughs> First and foremost, before we go any deeper into any of this, I want to say my sympathy goes out to any extra that was a part of the filming of this episode who got excited that they were going to be in the science fiction TV show Star Trek. (laughs) Because, man, there is no sci-fi to be had in this one. This is uh, obviously notorious entry into the Trek canon for a number of meme reasons. One that uh, I've been looking forward to ever since we started doing this show. Uh, It both did and did not disappoint. I guess it's the way I describe it. And I, I felt this needed extra help, which is why I called in Australians to just like do a quick buzz of the tower with us. Because... Probably like the closest thing to Irish that you could find. <laughs> well, you are white yet foreign. So yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> you got an accent, weird customs. I checks out to me. It's close enough. <laughs> um, Aside from myself, did either of the two of you never see this prior to this watching? Yeah, I'd, I'd never seen it before. I have, I'd... but it's been a long time since. And um, I, I, I admit I forgot about it, probably for the best, and um, had hopes and dreams that were crushed all new again. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, on the other hand, knew exactly what we were getting ourselves into. Like, I know that uh, Tuvix was going to be a big deal. I knew that um, Threshold was going to be a big deal. I've never really heard anybody say anything about this episode. It's the memes. It's the memes of delete the wife. It's Irish McIrish town stereotypes from stem to stern. Uh, It is amazing. (laughs) The surplus of flute. I mean, you don't normally get this much... (laughs) flute in an episode unless it's some chakotay bullshit background <laughs> slog i was almost hoping they'd do a new um intro theme for it you know instead of having the the, the normal voyager theme music that they'd have the flute going over the top but disappointed. <laughs> the stilting irish flute <laughs> well our recorder music's probably better but peter where do we open this episode T- where do we start this thing because the, uh, the whole teaser is already just so much to unpack yeah, and and sadly, somehow the teaser ends up being my favorite part of this whole goddamn thing. Um, so the aforementioned flute leads us in as we see Tom strolling through a town, and right off the jump, you see this this quaint Irish fantasy town they've put together, and immediately I'm like, this looks really familiar. And reading through the memory alpha, it confirmed my suspicion that this is the uh, the Herogen Nazi simulator town. Mm. This is like generic paramount backlot and last time it was uh occupied france and this time it's 
uh, occupied uh, Ireland. The, that first shot when it was like the cobblestones coming down, that's like the exact same perspective shot they used in, in Killing Game. Like it it was it was I, I didn't know it was in the memory alpha, but it seemed obvious to me that it was the same sets. <laughs> I did notice as well that uh, once the camera pans to where Garrett Wang's standing, I'm pretty sure that's like a potato stand, isn't it? Because <laughs> <laughs> like, they, they, they pan across someone literally buying potatoes from a potato stand. So good good, good job, Star Trek. Just got to really emphasize yeah, it. The is, it is. It yeah. is. I've got it up right now. He is standing next to a giant thing of potatoes. <laughs> uh, but he's actually like hitting on the flower girl. Yeah. So, you know, the, the potatoes are in the shot, though. The best part of the episode happens before we even see Garrett as Mr. Jump to Conclusions Matt himself, Tom Smiskowski from Office Space, comes up to uh, beg money off of Tom Paris. I have made so many references to Jump Conclusion Matt's that for this guy to be directly involved in an actual Star Trek Voyager episode is just like so fucking perfect. And and that's where the episode peaks for me. And it's all downhill from here as yes, as you mentioned, Garrett Wang comes in, we got the shot of the potato stand in the most low stakes, boring, cold open we've ever seen. I so want to point know, out two very important facts here before we, we get into too much else. And Taryn, I'll, I'll happily hand this back to you after I make this statement. Point. One, there is exactly one Irish person, one actual Irish person who is involved in the production of this program. <laughs> right. And office space guy is not one of them. <laughs> So he comes in with this, oh, oh, our, our, hello, Tom. It's like this terrible Irish accent. And it's like, oh, this is, this, this is LARPing to the maximum right here. Holy shit. And then you've got Harry who's in this, he's in this outfit with this, what is the kind of hat he's yeah, wearing? Yeah, his hat. I made a note about that. Like, that, that, that gambling hat. From- yes. <laughs> It's, it's not you know, an you know what he reminded me of he reminded me of a soloist who's been kicked out of a barbershop quartet yeah <laughs> he looks like uh, i don't know if you guys have ever been to disneyland but the dandy dans yeah yeah, yeah. the um, dapper dance dapper yeah dance. Sorry, we know one of the dapper dance peter <laughs> what's what's a dapper dance sorry you have to fill 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 it in for someone uh, that's never take been to uh, harry kim and add someone with some talent oh. <laughs> oh my god i hope he's not listening to this (laughs) we're looking to pick that fight with uh delta flyer so we can get some of that cross promotional bleed give him an extra 12 views and you know maybe us a couple thousand uh we've talked a few times about memory alpha already memory alpha has been significantly uh less and less content and this might be one of the Mm. most anemic entries i've seen in a while and it's a shame too because for such a turd of an episode i can only imagine what was going on in the background uh, but they're pretty tight-lipped on all this stuff. Open ends with uh, us finding out that the doctor has been getting wrapped up in this nonsense. Uh, he's some sort of a priest. He wants uh, Tom and Harry to attend one of his things. And it's just, you know, sometimes they'll give Tom a little gimmick or a fad that sticks with the crew. And it seems like, yeah, I could I could see everybody being back into slap bracelets or yo-yos or... Uh, I don't know what the last <laughs> shuttlecraft that fucking steal your brain or whatever, but <laughs> this one just seems like it misses the mark so far. And again, the hardest part of this episode for me is that 
how many times have I said, I love slice of life stuff. I like seeing what's going on when it's not a red alert situation and the crew being abducted and, and tortured. Um, so in some respects, this is everything I've asked for because it's this silly focus on a Janeway romance subplot. I just, I hate it. It's the monkey paws, like <laughs> finger comes down. Your wish is granted. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is though like it it had so much more potential to be to be better than what it what it was you know when when, when you get that first opening scene you get the you know the, the irish townscape for for a split second i thought is this some throwback to caretaker you know to season one ep one and two where this is some long lost long lost irish colony snatched away from earth centuries ago and 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 then tom walks through it and and instantly it's like nah no nah, it's not and then, then, then they go and just sit there and berate themselves and talk about how terrible, uh, you know, holograms are for the next next forty minutes. I, I do want to, I guess, make mention of the fact that the doctor is playing the Catholic priest of oh, the town. Man, he's so good right? as, as the priest. He's got some top one liners in this. Right. He. I do like that the doctor is the one that's most embodying like a role play like element. But there is like a certain level of what the fuckery to the fact that the Catholic priest and spiritual head of the town is being played by a literal godless machine. <laughs> like, it's, it's OK. Right. I don't know what message we're sending, but we're sending one with that. Like it is sent. I was going to say, you've got Harry uh, yeah, hitting on on on. What is it? Um, potato lady. Yeah, potato lady there. And- <laughs> uh, her name is uh, Madam Pringles. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I completely missed this the many years ago that I would have watched it, but he turns around and says to Tom that he was distracted by the scenery when he looks over at her. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, if this was a thousand years ago, you know, when, when, from when this town was actually set, I could get rid of and excuse the blatant sexism with it. But like Harry, just, just because she's a holoprogram or you know, hologram character doesn't mean she doesn't feel right. You know, if, if you cut her, <laughs> does she not bleed photons? Yeah. You know, we've already established that. You go back to like, uh, what mid midpoint of season five, what is um, Bride of Chaotica where you get like photonic beings. So you've already, like we've already established in universe, this, you know, that the holographic beings can be self-aware and they have feelings and they have this, even if it's somewhat artificial, they have a life. And he's just straight up like, yeah, I was distracted by the scenery. Yeah, I was looking at their tits is basically what he says. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't paying guys, attention. Yeah. Guys, we're talking about Harry Kim. He has pre-programmed holly, holly, volleyball team level <laughs> sex bots, right? This guy is not prepared to treat holograms like people. This is true. Right? That's an uh, interesting point Terrence brought up, though, and we never really discussed it in Chaotica. Uh, yeah, so you've got legit aliens from another dimension who are composed of the same stuff that uh, entertainment robots on Voyager are. I would say the legit argument there is like likening a, I don't know, a, a, a organ farm clone to a, a regular human being that was born. So like, yeah, you could say there and maybe that would have been a strong argument for the doctor to make later on when he's telling uh, the, the captain it's OK for her to hump holograms and fall in love with hologram. But, <laughs> yeah, you know, they can be people, too. But in this case, like, yeah. 
they're they're here just to to make everybody happy and to die and bleed and all that Westworld stuff. Mm. <laughs> Trek's footsie with the idea of self-aware holograms has got a rich history, though. Like it never seems to know what to do with the concept. And here, and we're literally watching a show where one of the main characters is a fucking sentient hologram. Yeah, you know, and they still manage to 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 cock that up on a regular basis. Uh, let us all not forget uh, the. Uh, the opener for this season involved the doctor turning evil on the literal like press of a button. Terrible. Like, irredeemably terrible. Like, all, of his, all of his agency evaporated. So, you and, know, it, I mean, since we're having the discussion now, like that would have been another argument for the doctor to make later on is that, hey, you know, if you really think there's an opportunity for you to have relations with uh, Michael, the, the barkeeper, which we'll get into later, like you could unshackle him you could take him out of the program and the same way that i've achieved sentience and moriarty and all the other tng uh oh, yeah. moopses where they've born uh sentience like it's yeah, just, within our ability just to... wash the the armband hologram projector off before you bring it back <laughs> <laughs> Dis- disinfect yeah. disinfect please so there's this b plot uh i don't my kid this normally i'm playing on my phone on the shitty episodes this one i've got both my daughters crawling all over my face fighting me for the remote and for the life of me i could not find it to to fight them back i was just like (laughs) you can put all the butts in my face that you want i don't care fuck this thing so whatever the techno babble reason was that they get caught in like space wave i I don't know taryn i think space weather it's bad space weather It is, but the problem there is as well. We don't even get the space storm before before the credits roll. Like yeah. you don't get this B plot until after the fact. It's it's they it's could what, have worked 10, it in. 10 minutes in. You know, and, like and, while yeah. while they were standing there talking to Potato Lady, they could have been like, you know, it's done the whole shake thing. Yeah, just yeah. Something. What was that? Yeah. You mentioned, um, I think Peter, you mentioned Moriarty before, right? And and that one for me is exactly where this episode could have been, could have gone. You've got the, what is it? The neutronic wavefront or whatever. And, and yeah, that, that, un, that develops in, in a few minutes into the episode after, after the credits roll where, um, yeah, where they're okay, we're going to, we're stuck. We can't move. We're, we're going to stay put and we're in the storm. So it's scary and it's hard and it's, yeah, we're going to have a problem. So what you could have instantly done is go, hey, we've also got these holodeck characters, and we're going to keep this thing open running and making it, you know, do a thing. But one of them's self-aware. One of them's going to cause problems for the ship, and you could have had all of this, you know, a replication of the Moriarty episode in Voyager done well. Not saying that Moriarty episode wasn't done well; that was a great episode. But you could have done that in Voyager well, and yeah, instead, nah. No, you just get you just get this this nothing nothing trash. Taryn, what if I told you there's a second Fairhaven episode and you've looked <laughs> into the future? Yeah, this is the first of two. <laughs> and uh I don't want to say too much, but you should watch so, that one. <laughs> and I do so bad they replicated it. <laughs> so we mentioned this um this wavefront, right? And I like doing some maths at times. Yes, quite famously. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I love the scenes where, where they just sit there and spout numbers without doing any fact-checking and, and poking holes in it. However, I have to say, I, I tried to poke holes in it at the start and I couldn't. So they lay down these facts of this wavefront, 
is 200,000, it's traveling at 200,000 kilometers a second. That's fast, but it's not that fast. It's only about um, 0.8 U, 0.8 AU. So that's an astronomical that's unit, mild. which is, uh, look, it's 0. 0.0000000 light speed. I need that so it's, feet, it's, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quick, right? It's um, half half light speed, give or take, something like that. Like so it's traveling. Seven. It extends for 3.6 light years around. So this thing's huge. It's massive. And it's 15 hours away. And it's already disrupting the ship, so they can't go to warp. Fine. So we've got this thing. And Tom sits there and goes, the impulse isn't fast enough to outrun it. So my first thought was, isn't it? Let's check. So I go and check. And he's actually read the manual. He, he flicked open the manual and go, how fast can I go on impulse? And he's right. He can only go about 75,000 kilometers an hour, yeah, which this thing's traveling at 200,000. So yeah, okay, it's going to overtake him. But Janeway's instant response is, okay, well, let's, let's what, weigh anchor and mm. we'll, we'll stay put, right? We'll just we'll stick here and see what happens. And I thought to myself, okay, why? Why? You can still go impulse. Yeah, you can still move. Why wouldn't you try to give yourself get more a, time? Yeah, get buy yourself as much time. So I went and did the maths on um, if they go full impulse in the same direction as the wavefront, so they're they're trying to pull away from it, but obviously they're going to get overtaken. How long is that going to take? So they're traveling. The wavefront's at two hundred thousand kilometers. Voyager being stationary, it's going to take fifteen hours to hit them, which is fifty four thousand seconds. So the distance between the edge of the wavefront and Voyager at that point in time is 10.8 billion kilometers or 0.00114 light years. Not far. I'm I'm enraptured. Continue. (laughs) In context, right, that's the distance (laughs) from the sun to Eris, which if you don't know Eris, that's um, the dwarf planet that's on the outer rim of Pluto. So it's the next one past Pluto. Um, it wasn't technically big enough to be classed as our 10th planet back in 2006 or something like that. That planet gets so, fucked up in uh, Expanse. Okay. <laughs> I need to watch yeah, it that. Does. That, is a, that is a great show. Uh, can we talk about that instead? No. <laughs> Not enough Irish stereotypes. <laughs> so, so technically Voyage is only the distance from the sun to Eris, right? That's not that far away. So um, first, you know, my first thought is how on earth did the sensors not detect this thing earlier? But anyway, can they outrun it? No, but, but how long can they keep in front of it? So we grab the distance, 10.8 billion kilometers. The relative speed is, is 200,000 minus 74. So it's 86,000. Uh, sorry. Yeah. The relative speed is the difference between those two. <laughs> and the time it's going to take if they keep going at full impulse is roughly 24 hours. So they could have a full day before this thing hits instead of 15 hours. I mean, nine hours of time in Star Trek world is usually enough to come up with at least five or six alternative plans, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, it it all depends on the urgency of the issue, though. And because this is a minor inconvenience issue, you know? Yeah. It's like, why bother, right? Yeah. (laughs) Like, your, your super science... Abilities need to be reserved for when you need to start blowing up board cubes, right? Like, well, gotta... that's the problem, right? They, they kind of probably should have thought it through a little bit because when you go and then do the maths for how long are they going to be inside the wavefront at those speeds? So those speeds are quick, but they're not that quick, right? We're talking really, really 
low speed relative to warp, right? Which we know we need warp to go to travel light year distances quickly. Yeah, and we've already gone through that with um yeah, with with the the omega particles and those sort of things. Yeah, we 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 appreciate warp speed is needed here. So this wave fronts 3.6 light years across. That's 227,000 astronomical units. I'm not even going to try to say how many kilometers or miles it is because it goes into 10 point something to e to the power of 400 or something like. That. It's a lo- it's it's huge. It's a lot. A metric fuckton, if you will. <laughs> metric fuckton. Or an imperial fuckton. Either way. Go- going against Voyager and Voyager going the opposite direction, so trying to get through it as quickly as possible. They're travelling so slow, it would take 126,000 seconds to get through the wavefront. Now, some quick maths. That's 2.1 million minutes or 35,000 hours or 1,400 days, or just over four years to get through the wavefront. So <laughs> when you get Neelix later on going, I'm worried about morale over the next few days, yeah, me, me too, buddy, me too. When you realize that you're going to take four years to pass through this wavefront, you're screwed. It's that scene with Neelix that I, I had my little nerdy math moment because uh, he's like, oh, Captain, you know, you seem like you're, you're concerned. She's like, yeah, well, you know, I'm from uh, Indianapolis and we used to get these terrible thunderstorms that rip through there. And I'm like, what part of Indianapolis were you living in? Because uh, <laughs> according to True Q, the Amanda Rogers episode from like TNG, like life in the future is pretty swell. And uh, the Federation of Planets has like weather control on Earth. Yes. and so what what level of thunderstorm is really scaring Catherine Janeway? Like a brisk wind and maybe like a I don't know a slight chill. Yeah, just for flavor, just to let you know where you are during the year. You can't so know they, a nice day if there's not a rainy day. So like once a year they have okay, this is going to be the shitty storm week that's going to ruin the roof on your house. So just so we can all ground ourselves. Slight the purge. I'm really glad that that Taryn could push his glasses up and give us 15 minutes on why the math sucks on this. <laughs> I'm sorry. But the point is the no no, it's beautiful. But the point is the plot happens. <laughs> and the plot yeah. is everyone's fucking bored. And because everyone's fucking bored, that means everyone's going to go to Irish Irish town for a while. And so the the B plot like you mentioned doesn't kick off until kind of mid act 1. But uh, it starts when Janeway goes to the to the bar uh, before, like, they have the briefing to find Harry and uh, and Tom. And that's when he she makes uh, contact with the the bartender, who is the key guest star of this episode and played by the only Irish person involved in all of this actor of Finton McCown which is the most Irish shit I've ever heard. Uh, and he, uh, he goes for it, man. Like, and I hate, I'd hate to be this guy's fucking agent, right? Like, you know, a guy like this gets every call for, I need a stereotypical Irish guy for his entire fucking life. Right. He's in Even LA. The guy with all the stars on his face. Yeah. Give me, give me the ruggedly handsome Irish dude. I'm like, he's, I'm, what am I this time? Am I the bartender? Am I, you know, what, what am I? So he uh, the only other thing I would know him from was Game of Thrones. But man, for the life of me, I spent so much time trying to figure out what he was reminding me of Uh, my guilty admission. They're complete garbage. But the subsequent Resident Evil movies, two and forward, 
Uh, I swear that he was the guy who plays Carlos Oliveira. And like every time I saw him on stream, I'm like, that's fucking Resident Evil guy. But it wasn't. He's uh, he's Game of Thrones. A Jack Wynn guy um, kills him for Arya Stark for that yeah, TV he was show. Like season two. Really good. And then just got so bad that uh, it's ruined forever. <laughs> Sorry, was, that, was that Voyager or, or Game of Thrones? I couldn't tell. <laughs> season she, sucks she, taking its toll. That's for sure. She kind of makes sex eyes at him right there. You know, like, uh, this is, this guy looks like my type, but I've got shit to do. And, uh, goes over to Harry, who's arm wrestling hologram and, and manages to win. And, uh, and is impressed by Tom's hollow programming. She's like, I like this. And it's also one of the first, like Janeway, like definitely comes off as very chummy with everyone in this episode, probably by design. She's just much more casual with, with everyone on the crew like she like rolls up the tom like gives him a hug on the shoulder like i like it you know you know it's just very like chill and she she has the same sort of way she carries herself through the rest of the episodes since it is a you know a a shore leave style situation i kind of get it I, so question for you guys when we've got these uh, set piece holodeck destinations, um, the Polynesian resort that Neelix made this uh, Sandrine's and, and, you know, usually it's Tom behind the keyboard on the stuff and Tom being um, the piece of shit he is. Do you think he's like as a little joke to himself, like I'm going to make this person specifically to try and get my boss to fuck? Yeah, but the best part is, is like, not only am I going to do that, but like the night after they've had like, you know, their first date, I'm going to get his wife to walk in. <laughs> he was not married 15 minutes prior to Janeway walking into that bar. Yeah, exactly. You just see Tom, Tom's head just pop up in the in the window and he's like at a console, like programming yeah. things as it goes along. Gotcha, bitch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay good she's about to get his pants off and we're gonna go ahead and uh activate the flag for herpes and we're good. <laughs> wow this is this is it's what so you awful. get for going on that vacation when we had lizard babies and i had to take care of them all by myself get for off two my weeks. baby's mama <laughs> oh, the, the the plot is explained briefly in astrometrics after that and then we get the neelix scene where janeway makes up the idea that she ever saw a thunderstorm in the 24th century of <laughs> rural indiana go fuck yourself lady uh and then decides to go visit fairhaven again and make more sex eyes at uh the most handsome and rugged of men Oh, she, uh, she writes in her journal. It's so beautiful. About spoiling yeah. it. I'm sorry. And, that's Captain's personal log, Taryn. <laughs> and she's saying, well, no, sorry. It's a voiceover, isn't it? I, th I, 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 I seem to recall she's talking about it as she's walking down the corridor. But I think it's just the voiceover of her remembering her journal entry for the day about this cute Irish boy. Oh, he's so, he's so dreamy. <laughs> he's so dreamy that after their date gets interrupted by the wife... The very first thing she does is goes and is like, I will program my sex bot to my specifications because Thomas did not do a good enough job. Yeah, <laughs> like, we get to find out that the holographic research lab is a thing also known as um, the Tinder deck. <laughs> as she wipes <laughs> left on some things like his wife and happiness and mm -hmm. makes him taller because height's a big deal. On I don't know if you guys know that. 
Uh, oh yeah, gotta be at least six feet, right? Gotta bump that up a couple centimeters mm. to get clear the line. Yeah, it's modding your save in Skyrim, right? Like, uh, I screwed like, up some things. It's I like wanna, in, I just want to fix that. Yeah, it's like installing the hot coffee mod, but it's the Irish coffee mod. The hot Irish coffee mod. Yeah. Oh yeah. I want to put the spotlight on the big hypocrisy here, right? That we go into this episode. Uh, hot on the tales of Pathfinder, which is a whole episode that Reginald Barkley has a holodeck program. Reginald Barkley fucks holodeck characters. Reginald Barkley falls in love with holographic things and and shame and this and that. And then you turn around, you have Janeway go through the exact same goddamn thing and everybody on the ship's like, yeah, it's okay. This is fine. You're cool. Do it. Like, what? It's better than screwing one of your your underlings. Mm. Well, yeah, I will. I will, def- I will defend the this episode more in that Janeway's position is like there's a character element that that's worth exploring, right? Yeah. She she Which can't have her romantic. Yeah, she yeah. cannot have romantic relationship with anybody on the ship. She is their boss. They are her subordinates. That is weird. Yep. So she can't do that. Uh, obviously, like. The fucking random aliens that wander by is problematic for a number of reasons. A violates Starfleet protocols unless she gets doctor's clearance. Uh, but B, you know, like that's that's probably not going to work out. So what other option does she have except, you know, a little wreck wreck time with a hologram built to her specifications? What's well, what he is? He is a dildo that quotes Irish poetry and he's looks a, very handsome. He's a B.O.B. He's Bob, battery operated boyfriend. <laughs> This all comes down during a later scene where the doctor's trying to give her some counseling, saying, hey, you know, it's OK. Uh, if you're happy, that's that's cool. And and he's the one who specifically says, you know, you can't date the rest of the crew. And I'm like, man, doctors over here, cock blocking Chakotay hard. Yeah. <laughs> what a dick move. Chicote yeah, is very at peace with being cock blocked in this episode, though. You know, he's like he he's like giving her shit over it. Yeah. He he actually he, he interrupts yeah um Katie and uh and 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 the barkeep at one point right and and then he realizes straight up he's like ah I've just messed up their love scene mm. nah, and walks off with this smirk on his face of like you guys are gonna do it yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna fuck your balls so hard on the bridge while we're working in front of everyone. <laughs> And that was after she kind of got into it and got her bodice ripper outfit on, mm. you know, so she's like clenched into that that corset, you know, she's 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 looking the part. So she's clearly into it. And it is Chakotay, though, that on the bridge after breaking her balls about it is like, you know, if you want to go fuck that hologram, I think everyone's going to understand. Mm. Right. Like you should go fuck that hologram. Like yeah. we're if, all going to know you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> But we're fine with it. It's yeah. not well, weird. Except for Chicote. Hey, he'll, he'll have to get a blue go... for his balls. <laughs> the holodeck at this point is in like city bus mode. The doors are open. People are free to come and go as they please. You don't know how many people are in there at a time. We've talked extensively that the holodecks are not really that big. And for all you know, <laughs> there could be like 20 people standing within like arm's distance of each other. But because of force fields and and uh, magnification and treadmills, you wouldn't know. But it's like, Jane, when you're in there banging this dude with God, like 
get off the city bus, go back to the holographic research lab and just Do make it a bag. Yeah. yeah. Make that your illicit holographic fuck den. Don't, you don't want to have sex in front of Neelix. You will traumatize him. Yeah. <laughs> Not on the, people don't need to smell that. Holograms can't hide the smell. Remember that. Force fields don't stop the stick. Can you imagine? It'd be like, like what? Is Neelix cooking something in here? Some Talaxian, <laughs> Talaxian catfish? What I slip in? <laughs> the scene where, at right after Chakotay's like, you should go fuck that hologram, is her like doing stereotypes. Like, it's like the scene from fucking Titanic, right? Where they're like <laughs> doing peasant dancing with their with their traditional instruments, and then she's like super horny, so she's like, Del- delete all the other programs in here, and it just starts making out with the guy. <laughs> Back to the city bus comment. Again, open doors. Like, how many people are in the holodeck at this point, banging their own holograms, and all of a sudden, just everything vanishes. <laughs> people just collapse everywhere. Like, what asshole just turned off all the holograms? <laughs> She's walking like one of them, backing out, and uh, and and everyone else is like on the floor, you know, <laughs> tenting themselves uh, a little bit, yeah. going, uh, uh, "Hang on." She's lucky that, like, random crewmen from, like, Deck 12 didn't show up and was, like, you know, like, partying in the background and then everyone else gets deleted and she's standing there while the captain starts, like, ripping her clothes off, making out of this person. They're like, oh, no, she's in between me and the door. And it's like, she's like, oh, she she get me out of here. She uh, the scene they they leave out of that is uh, she deletes all the other programs and then she hits the intercom again. This is the captain speaking. Get out of the holodeck right now. <laughs> I will say that there is actually there's a saving grace of this episode is there are a few great comedy beats oh, yeah. through the whole thing. And one of them, my favorite is this random scene that has no purpose where Tuvok is in the <laughs> lunchroom with seven of nine. <laughs> Tuvok is randomly has space sickness right now. He's feeling queasy. He's trying to collect himself. And seven of nine is like, you know, like sits down and he's like, she's showing some concern. Like, have you decided to go to the doctor? And it's like, no, I have not, you know, it's unnecessary. Perhaps I'm being affected by this radiation in some way, you know, like trying to talk through the problem. And then fucking Tom and Harry show up and try and convince Tuvok to come to the program by first, like saying, you imagine meditating on a bluff with the rise and fall of the ocean. (laughs) And then you've got Harry Kim just doing the physical pantomimes (laughs) next to him with all (laughs) different motions. Like every time Tom does something different, he changes it up. And then they cut back to seven of nine and, to Jerry Ryan's credit, she just has this little like troll face look where she like smirks directly at like Tuvok. Like, Neelix I gets, love this. Neelix gets in and starts talking about boiling dog Blood guts. Pudding. Pudding. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Neelix shows up and starts talking about how terrible Irish food is and how nasty blood pudding is. And just starts describing it. All he has to do is describe blood pudding and making it. And Tuvok's like, I gotta go. I'm a fucking vomit. And it's like, it was perfect. It was, it had had no purpose in the episode. You could have cut it. Nothing would have changed, but it was still probably the best one. I think um, the thing that sold it for me was the hand actions by Harry as well. He just, yeah. he just jumped into it. He's like, I'm, I'm doing it. Right. The script says do this. I'm just, yep. All right. <laughs> 
So to to look at this as a serious piece for a moment, going back to when Janeway deletes everybody out of the room, and that's kind of the first tip off I get is like Janeway's got a problem and and she's taken these godlike actions and uh, has become this control freak shaping her own fantasy uh, that she refuses to acknowledge as a fantasy. Do you think this really fits anything we've seen out of her character previously, the, this, uh, this urge to control and reshape? Um, and play things her way as far as romance goes, because she hasn't really had a lot of romantic options before. Yeah, I mean, romance wise, that's just a very unexplored part of her character. Obviously, her personality as a leader suggests, you know, she wants to control things. But she had Vlad. She had the uh, anti-telepathic space Nazi. Uh, What little we saw of Mark. And has there really been any other time we've seen her spread these wings at all? Nope. I mean, just with... um... With with Jakote in the in the forest for for a bit. Oh yeah, with the with the monkey. Oh yeah, yeah. They don't call to question um the bodice ripper uh fantasy she governess fantasy, which she did kiss that holodeck character too, right? So this is a little bit of uh ground she's covered before, not that the, the show would, would admit it. It's a, it, this, this, she's true to form. She's true to character. It seems that she's, yeah, she does. Um, she does want to control that situation, but she, she takes it. It seems that she takes it to the extreme of editing that pro editing his program as the first recourse. Yeah. There's no, there's no middle ground. She goes from this guy's pretty, pretty all right. You know, he's, he's got most of the things I like, except yeah, he doesn't read and he's married. Oh well, I'll just completely erase all of those problems, and yeah, it, it's the nuclear option straight away. I did find her objection to him being married interesting that she wouldn't find a thrill in home wrecking, and that's not really her thing. But in 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 her desire not to be a home wrecker, she like goes to the tenth degree and just kills his wife and completely <laughs> incinerates his, his home forever. So she's the worst the fucking home wrecker. <laughs> Cheating's not good enough. We need to go to murder. <laughs> Although that that whole scene where she does do that editing again, back to the the Moriarty and and how this episode could have been instantly more complex. And I don't know how much I'm leading on to to the future episode sort of that you've mentioned there, uh, Joe. You go back to TNG where LaForge creates Moriarty, right? And it's a slip of the tongue. Because the, the phrase is something like, um, you know, computer creator character that can beat data. And she gets, you know, uh, that close to doing the same thing. She makes some sort of comment of, um, you know, be more curious of the world around him. There was the other comment, something that she had to, like, give a more provocative personality yeah, 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 or yeah. something like that. Yeah, Nothing no, provocative like self-awareness. Yeah, exactly. And it was so, so vague, again, vague in the way LaForge was that it could have been, you know, the computer's tendency to interpret, you know, vague statements for maximum you know, detriment for the crew is, um, yeah, it would have been great. I really think that the canon for Star Trek should be every moment after the Moriarty episode, there'd be a little pop up warning when like warning. <laughs> You are creating, you might be creating sentience. You are creating a hazardous situation to the ship that may result in holographic characters hijacking the ship. Uh, command authorization lockout. 
you could have a little clippy pop up and say, I see you're trying to, yeah. to kill everybody. Do you want help with that? <laughs> <laughs> hey there, I see you're trying to program a supervillain. Let me tell you. <laughs> have you considered praying mantis arms? And laser vision? <laughs> Make sure to turn off the holodeck safeties. <laughs> They're already off in this episode, which is funny. Yeah. Uh, so uh, skipping forward just a little bit, uh, Janeway does the thing, and by the thing, it's bang the hologram, and then she, uh, I don't know, she has remorse as she decides that she's gone too far, and, and she leaves this guy high and dry, right? And uh, he kind of goes off his rails. Tom Peter. notices Peter. He, she has a three-day fuck fest with this guy. <laughs> like, she stays in the holodeck for three yeah. days. That's a stinky holodeck. <laughs> it's, I was just like, it's one thing to go in and bang it out and then, like, roll back to the sonic shower. She was in there for three yeah. days. The whole crew's in there nonstop. And <laughs> it's a dead joke that's been beaten like a horse, you know, who has to mop up all the jizz in the holodeck after they're done. I think after this stint in Fairhaven, like you're not talking about a janitor with a mop bucket. You're going to have to get the fucking Zamboni machine from the ice skating <laughs> rink. Caked <laughs> fluid stuck on the floor Ooh. in there. I have a theory that the holodecks are on the outer edge of the hull, and like when they they release the force fields in 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 the shuttlecraft bays and just vent the atmosphere. I, I reckon that's how they must do it. Oh my just god! Of, you know what? Just open, just vent the whole thing. Just, just, just make a whole new constellation every time. <laughs> They've got so a crew nice. member that's like a, one of those uh, filter catfish that just bottom oh. feeds. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that's this is this is them seeding life in the universe, but okay. Oh. I was going to talk about another very exciting story they could have told along the same yeah. lines as Living Witnesses, like <laughs> the poor solar systems where they just dump all their jizz out into space. Like, uh, <laughs> oh, what were those guys called that I had the hair up my ass about? The Malorn or Malon, whatever. The <laughs> Malon. <laughs> Only instead of being theta radiation, it's nut. <laughs> what were you going to say, Mike? I was going to say, just, just that bit where the doctor questions her about it and says, did you have intimate relations? And she says, that's none of your business. But I will say, you know, it's been a hell of a three days or whatever she says. You know, she should know that that's absolutely his business. She needs to get his permission before smashing, Right. Like, <laughs> you don't know what holographic, you know, to human transmittable diseases there exist now. That's that's a Starfleet requirement, apparently, according to um, the episode where Tom gets pregnant or whatever it was. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was Harry. 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 Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Harry gets Harry space gets STDs. STDs. Yeah, that's right. Is it from Tom? I can't remember. Oh, they <laughs> <laughs> have that relationship. No, Tom was the one who continued to tell him to go fuck his space girlfriend. Yeah, that's true. 90s know, hottie. Go. Good advice. Listen yeah, to 90s Tom. hottie. <laughs> that can be our t-shirt. Listen to Tom. As, as Peter mentioned, uh, the, the after effect of three a three-day-long holographic fuck fest and then leaving the poor guy high and dry is that his newly modified but not optimized personality it doesn't take it well. And uh, he gets moody and he starts drinking there's a scene in the bar where there's literally a bar fight breaks out. Um, oh, there's just, there is something before that that I wanted to mention because it was the first scene that where she where after Janeway has her first date and goes into uh, the sick bay 
and it's clearly like really likes the program. It's another great comedy scene that has no purpose in the episode except to be funny. She goes in to get her inoculation so she doesn't turn into the Incredible Hulk. And, uh, you know, she's like, I met a boy. <laughs> it was great. She's giddy. And uh, Tom is like, oh, the captain met a boy. I'm glad. <laughs> like, glad this happened. And the doctor starts his spiel about how, like, I should have a more central role. I'm the priest. You know, the priests had a, a central figure of the community back then. And then Tom's like, oh, that's a great idea. And then starts to talk shit to him about how he's going to, like, program his character to, like, take a vow of silence the entire time Janeway is in the foreground of the shot and all of her facial expression is like oh and then she like sees that Tom's gonna start talking shit to the doctor and immediately is like oh my god you fucking child and like stands up in frame walks around says nothing and just like literally just takes him by the arm and takes him <laughs> out of the scene like, like, no Thomas no 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 we're not doing this today come on you come on, know pal. AI do not it. have ethics and will commit genocide and murder please do not provoke him to do either Tom don't don't piss him off I need him to approve my three day fucking sex romp with a hologram <laughs> Don't you know, make real whole, consequences for this episode. <laughs> that, the whole scene where she's sitting there chatting to chat to the doctor. Yeah, she she turns around and says to him at one point, "Can you believe that I wrote a dear John letter to a hologram, or I was going to write a dear John letter, and to a hologram, right to the doctor's face?" And I'm like, wow. <laughs> like that, "That's brutal." <laughs> that is like. But I think he he like. <laughs> holds he like memorizes that because later on he's talking to her he says look you know just remember he's he's like as real as i am right so <laughs> i'd like to think maybe he took that one on board and he thought i'll, I'll leave it for now but i'll talk to her later i won't, I won't rip you a new one on that yeah. one kj but geez i'm like wow it's it's the equivalent of sort it's of going the, the... going to kiss or something like that and going hey i live to be 80 <laughs> and just walking <laughs> off <I'm> like, <laughs> Taryn's on a real Taryn's on a real hologram rights line. I know. <laughs> I, I, like, yeah, it's this one really hit it for me that like it was because we're so far through the season. If this was a, a season one episode or something like that, where it'd be like, oh, they're still learning to love the doctor and appreciate him as a real being. I'm a real boy. Then you'd you'd kind of I'd I'd be okay with it. But it's like you've done all of this so many times. Well, two two ways to look at your um your thoughts on that one is the obvious which is the doctor is not a hologram that note did not make it uh any further than the first season in the writer's room yep. and everybody forgot he's actually a hologram he's a human 100 percent. he's more human than probably fucking balana is <laughs> um and comparing him to these other holograms is is silly at this point because it's just it's not the case the other case, the other hand is you jump back into uh, Equinox and for as much as the doctor seems like he's a human, it's a painful reminder that you delete one line of code out of his program and now he's torturing uh, Seven of Nine, who he's in love with, to death. And and yeah, everybody's been no reminded. No hesitation. Very true. He's Very on the planet. So that's and not that, the kind and, of thought was... process they're using here because Voyager hates reading or watching its previous entries but for anybody paying attention like that's what we have to work with that's true yeah how did everyone get hurt in that fucking bar fight for real 
That was Again, the sa- they never they mentioned they didn't mention the safeties are off, but like I guess they were right. Unless they like, were beating the each other up, like you know, Harry's. <laughs> I've been wanting to do this for a long time, Tom. Yeah. I know if I throw this chair, it's going to go through everybody here, but I might be able to hit Paris right yeah. in the face. And yeah, it, it would have, I, I would have bought that if they had all had scratches on their face from Neelix. <laughs> Tom, mark my territory. You belong to me now, Tommy. <laughs> Scratching That's them the and then real... standing over their body, pissing on them or something like that. Yeah. Damn ass. <laughs> nice cat. That's the real story in this is the holodeck safeties are for real off. And what if someone would have died in that? Like someone got a beer bottle in the neck. Yeah. <laughs> well, a doctor would have revived him with his standard post-death revival protocols. Actually, Janeway's duh. booty call leads to someone dying. Put that one in your log. Was there, wasn't there... Tell, tell Starfleet about that next time Barkley pops in. <laughs> wasn't there that bit with um the guy from Officeworks? And he says something to the doctor like... um. You know, I need I need your advice. And there was something about the fifth commandment, right? And that's like, thou shalt not kill, isn't it? And he just says, oh, just say Good. ten Hail Marys and call me in the morning. Hang on, I'm going to look this up now. I'm, I'm pretty sure he does. So, you know, maybe he's like a homicidal maniac. Fifth um, fifth commandment. It's honor thy father yeah. and mother. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is it? Okay, never mind. We got all the faith math ready to go, but nobody here knows. Yeah. The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're all ready to nerd out about a television show that aired in, uh, you know, 20 years ago, but none of us can remember the Ten Commandments by heart. Holographic okay. civil rights, but uh, I don't know what God said, whatever. <laughs> what uh, Janeway did not program, however, when she was making this guy the ideal lover is the ability to keep his fucking mouth shut. <laughs> and how incredibly humiliating for your talking vibrator to go in front of all your friends and coworkers and just drag your dirty ass, filthy secrets out into crew public. <laughs> I miss my Katie. I'm like, everyone's like, oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, I'm just a knot. How can I forget a glass, a, a, a glass who could make her ass clap like that? Like, <laughs> you know what? Uh, hey. She can do this thing with ping pong balls. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, you'd think someone would be like a computer delete character. Like, we're not. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're no, we're not listening to this. This drunk, misbehaving uh, toaster has gone too far. Or it's back to the the idea that this is all an elaborate prank. And Tom's like, yeah, that's right. That's what you get for getting stuck on the fucking Delta Quadrant, bitch. Ooh, Everyone man. knows where you like it, which is the butt. <laughs> maybe it's Balan <laughs> holograms, because we know she's right. talented with this stuff. We know she's vindictive. I mean, you remember the, the doctor's holographic family? And I want to say it wasn't that long ago that uh, Janeway did something pretty bitchy to her. Oh, she had a, a punch. She made her get operated by the Nazi... A Cardassian sign, yeah. and then also uh, she's like, "Go burn a candle and work off the stuff from Extreme Risk." And she's <laughs> crazy. Atomic shower murder thing at the end of uh, the Malorn thing. Do we have Balana in Is this Bal- episode? She's in it barely, yeah, but not. Ah, uh, yeah. She she just says like, I think she words up Janeway on what's going on with the Neutronic, you know, beam or whatever. The, the wavefronts wavefronting. Yeah, that. Yeah, she has even less time in this episode than Seven of Nine and uh, Tuvok. Seven of Nine actually does show up in Fairhaven. <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, she does. Where, uh, she does. Where, uh, where, where she's like killing it at rings and then like off a space guy is hits on her and she's like, 
I am okay with this. Let us sit down and I will allow you to continue to hit on me. And Harry, <laughs> oh, Harry like, yeah. like I, did I just get outplayed by this fucking, <laughs> by this fucking <laughs> old, old hologram? Like, so holy good. shit. He jumped to the right conclusion. I mean, <laughs> the right conclusion is tell seven of nine she's pretty, and that apparently is the key. I will say in the in the scene in the in the dining hall, um, those camera angles as well. Jesus Christ! Like even my missus was like, "Is that uniform just spray paint?" I mean, you know, just there's there's nothing that you can ever see with any shot of of seven of nine that isn't just going to be bootylicious or boobalicious mm. it's just whatever angle yeah. and yeah then she's barely in the episode but she's still yeah. like oh yep there it is boop yeah <laughs> i also like the throwaway it's not a throwaway line but it's a big part of the we keep talking about the janeway doctor hallway walk and talk because it's it's carries the weight of the whole episode yeah. and it's mm-hmm. a lot of hair and touchdown but her one line which is like i've uh i've become romantically involved with the hologram if that's possible, and it's like, lady, you don't watch Star Trek, do you? <laughs> yeah, it's like every fifth every other episode. Fall. Yeah, you you certainly never watched any DS Nine where the hollow the hollow suites are explicitly for fucking. You for <laughs> uh, you had Harry and uh, Tuvok fighting over catfish lady who they thought was a Polynesian resort scuba instructor, or Bolana coming in with her two like. You know, dudes with a uh, fucking Bahama hammocks. Like, I'm gonna go hang out with these guys. Like, everyone's getting in on it. It's cool. Even just Tuvok's, um, you know, uh, uh, oh, what's the Vulcan thing? Ah, uh, that's embarrassing. Ponfar. 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 Yeah. Even his Ponfar. Embarrassing. That's an interesting way to frame rape. <laughs> well, I, embarrassing that I forgot the name of the rape. <laughs> Yeah, where's Dork and all this? Speaking of sexual predators. But even Janeway herself, like way back in season one or two, I think when we first have Sandrine's, there's that like pool shark that sort of hits on her and, and they you, do you remember? And she like links arms with him yeah. and lets 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 him take her, you know, off screen. So I mean, you know, surely she's no stranger to holographic love. She knows the rules. I think that was season one. It was real early because we made a point of like, and Tom gets to watch his new boss, yeah. his sex toy hit on his new boss. Yes. Like, awkward. <laughs> like, hope that this pans out. Hope this, I hope I read this situation correctly. Otherwise, it'll be a long trip. That's Tom's fetish. One of, one of many, I'm sure. The episode comes to a very anticlimactic end mm. because they have the walk and talk. And then the last act is just oh, we must do space things to beat the space thing. Let us technobabble about, you know, doing a space beam. And part of doing it is they have to pull all... Uh, don't worry, Peter, I know exactly <laughs> what you're going to say. I'm setting you up. I'm just, I'm set, I'm teeing the ball up so that you can come at it with the driver. And they're like, use this piece of power. Use that piece of power. Use all of the secondary power. And she's like, use the holodeck power. <laughs> Which... As I recall from season one, God, refresh my memory, Peter. Mm. I'll, I'll, I'll offer this hors d'oeuvre plate to one of our guests if they want to take it. The low-hanging fruit here. I, I don't know what you mean. Please enlighten me as to what thing is... is a fucking... The holodeck compatible with anything else. Like, that's the backbone of why you have this plot device that's constantly endangering and or seducing the fucking crew is that the power the holodeck uses on Voyager is completely incompatible with everything else. So, uh, you know, you, you're free to 
fucking shoot and and swim and ski and whatever to break the trans warp barrier without inconveniencing it's the much the like crew. the differences between australia and america's power grids you know you, they've got the 110 volt and the hologram is like the holodex 240 volt it just it ain't gonna work yeah so they've they've done it before because i've ranted about it before i forget uh maybe it was a herogen episode or something else it almost makes me wonder like if it was just complete like everybody knew dumping hologram power into the deflector dish wasn't really going to do anything just like, just like <laughs> Janeway feels yeah. real guilty and she's trying to like erase her secret and just genocide this whole Irish town so she's like yeah well, the Irish um, are, gen- are generally used to genocides yeah like I mean, hey sp- yeah, historically the speaking the front line, <laughs> our joke was too much for Mike he literally let's, cringed let's in his go. <laughs> front yard landscaping's all fucked up we need to get new mulch grab all the shrubbery from the neighbors, get the trees in the back, throw our kids in there. And it was like, whoa, you don't have kids in the wood chipper. What are you talking about? You just want to get rid of your kids so you're a single parent again. Taking um, blood and bone too, literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's my okay, gardening Throwing joke. kids in the wood chipper, that's okay with Mike. <laughs> I, I heard famine jokes, though. That's a no-go. Look, I, have, I have kids, all right? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm with you, man. Not every episode I'm trying to watch is Fairhaven. Sometimes I care about what's on the TV. And when they're putting butts in my face, like, you have these thoughts. You have them. <laughs> you kids pipe down or I'm going to fire up yeah. the wood chipper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, Voyager obviously escapes the space hazard, but the after effect of dumping the previously incompatible but now suddenly compatible <laughs> holodeck energy well. is that... The, the program's all fucked up now. I, I think I have, before we before we get to the final climactic ending, I think I have, and this episode provides it, a way of power conversion. Now, when Janeway is in her mournful, self-depressive state, she's got some poetry books, and what does she do? She puts, Recycle. recycles yeah, them. She throws them on the replicator and says, recycle. So my theory is... They go and into the holodeck. They create a whole bunch of holographic items. They then transport those holographic items and using matter energy transformation processes that we know they have already, they convert them into real items. Then they put them into the replicators and recycle them. Just simple. Just like really five-second process, really, right? Maybe that's how they clean the holodecks. <laughs> recycle the, the the nut juice just recycle purple in a wheel and it just powers the ship's engines um well i know you know speaking of gross stuff to recycle like that's that's what happens to all the poop and pee and whatever other aliens make that stuff all goes back into the replicator system as stock material so deeply disturbing yeah, well, that's life in the post-scarcity utopia of the Federation. Low stakes, uh, they get through the space thunderstorm by making a space knife to cut their way out at the cost of holodeck integrity. We find out that whoever designed the holodecks was never in college in Ohio, where the power goes out all the time. Yeah, and that no surge type- protector on that bitch. Yeah, nope. when you're typing up your uh, paper, you need to just hit control S like every other word. Otherwise, you're going to get fucked. So the holodeck does not save as it goes along. Because they did not turn it off the right way, the jump drive with all the data is now corrupted, and they're gonna have to pick and choose uh, what part of Fairhaven they want to keep. And like again, what dumpy low stakes! Like, gosh, 
here's the here's the repercussion of our efforts is we can't save this thing. We're gonna have to maybe remake it. Like again, I wanted a lo- a slice of life, low stakes, everybody hanging out doing stuff like uh, message in a bottle. Was that message in a bottle or was one after message in a bottle? Message in the bottle was the adventures with Andy Dick. What's the one where they find out all the Maquis got wiped out? It was the episode after that. Yeah, like that was a good one, but you know, there it's not them obsessed with Tom's new thing. And, and this just misses the mark mm. because it's a sloppy Jamie story. Mike, you had something. Yeah. Have, have you guys seen Chuck? The TV show Chuck? Yes, I've seen. I've not didn't watch it all, but I certainly watched a decent amount. So I, I don't want to spoil it um, for anyone. Uh, which I'm about to. So, you know, hit pause if you uh, are just about to watch the last scene of Chuck. But um, <laughs> what what basically happens is his girlfriend ends up getting her memory wiped, right? And then he has to basically start their love relationship over. It's a terrible ending, right, to to the to the series. And I'm thinking... It's a very Drew Barrymore, um, <laughs> Adam Sandler yeah. ending. Yeah. I mean, yeah. why wouldn't that sort of have happened here like why wouldn't it get reset and then Janeway's got a chance to like learn from her mistakes and and you know form a relationship with this guy or at least have him as a friend and not you know have to shift to lead his wife um you know they could have they could have really had a really wholesome ending where she sort of learns from her mistakes but but there's none of that it's she's just like I'm not gonna change him any more than I already have and you know just keep on status quo uh it's it's bizarre I don't know. Yeah, there there isn't a real actual resolution to her conflict, right? Like she just kind of gets talked into the fact that she should she it's okay that she fucks this this uh hologram on the reg mm. and the changes she made is fine as long as she doesn't make any yeah. more. Like how does so she So now that she's already crafted him to be perfect for her, it's okay. Yeah, how is she gonna learn as a as a person? Um grow as a character it's like every everything i did there's no repercussions i've got away with it and good for me i've got my perfect fucking sex robot now see mike what you want is for the hologram to have been reset to its previous state but it's voyager and it's gonna be Catherine janeway who gets reset to her previous state um (laughs) yeah for the next episode so you you got your your people confused here yeah because, I mean, if there's no autosave on the hologram, you know, one would imagine it would just go back to the last time that uh, Tom, you know, hit the save button, right? One would well, the last time she did. And that's part of it, too, is that, you know, she... Yeah. Oh, after she edited it. Yeah, that's a good point. Did she forget to hit save? Seems like he had never seen her before when she meets him at the train station. Mm. I think somewhere in here there might have been an okay story. Like, it's it's just low stakes. It's focused on stuff I don't care about. Uh, I don't know, maybe do does anyone out there really say, oh, God, there's this part of the fan base that really loved Fairhaven and really enjoys these Janeway specific romance? I mean, I don't know about that specific point, but like I I do like like some of my favorite episodes are ones that take place, you know, in the holodeck, like the one where the doctor is, um, is it Beowulf? I can't I can't remember. And then in TNG, like, you know, the Moriarty episode and stuff, which we've talked about, like, like there's an opportunity because, you know, it's a holodeck and they can do whatever they want. There's an opportunity to do, you know, awesome stuff. But I, yeah, I feel like it was um, somewhat wasted. There's an interesting character thought of the captain is alone in her ability to make like personal connections on an intimate level with anybody. And that is an interesting thing to follow through 
with the holodeck stuff and holograms, particularly because of her prior kind of resistance to thinking of holograms as people, particularly with the doctor. But as we have all pointed out, and as, as Peter and I have gone on ad nauseum in the past, that is reliant on Voyager caring about character development, which it most certainly does not for most of its characters. Season six. And because it doesn't, it just kind of it, it it ends up falling apart. And then, of course, the execution sucked because, A, this is the most stereotypical, ridiculous thing they could possibly have done to try and convey that process. Like just the most Disneyland Irish shit <laughs> you could do and then just have the lesson not make any sense, like just not pan out in a way that makes that that narratively works. Mm. Yep, I agree. I was also upset that we didn't get to see Mossy Donigan's talking pig. It, it, you know, got to leave something for the sequel. <laughs> you know, got to leave, got to leave something for part two of the Fairhaven saga. That talk that about clearly... a story that does not deserve a follow up. All the fucking <laughs> that we've done in this show, where it's like, wow, I can't wait to see where this goes, and zero, and this fucking turd, mm. like. I'm assuming this was incredibly cheap for them to film because it's an existing set that Paramount has ready to go and and extras that need to, you know, some sort of, uh, yeah, like, well, they're like, hey, listen, we got a bunch of guys that we need to use because of some contract or red tape put together some shit where there's like 100 people in the background. But like, how fucking offensive that this this is going to get a, a follow up and all the other good stuff that just is dead. I don't know, maybe Kate Mulgrew, you know, uh, ask them for it or, or maybe they because like the, as far as acting is concerned this is like right in her wheelhouse you know this is like the kind of stuff that she yeah soap opera she would stuff sign like, which for, is know? why she and she's good in yeah, it yeah she is like yeah. Yeah, yeah she's really good in this episode it's just that the script fails her so maybe someone thought you know let's give her a chance to stretch her soap opera you know wings again and and you know how can we do that oh well Fairhaven let's let's give it a sequel I, I don't know I haven't seen the sequel either I'm sort of watching it in time with the podcast like along with you guys, which makes it much more floor, enjoyable. And they sort of went, you know, what can we, can we uh, that one? Yep. Hey, that's that sounds good. Do it. So this is written by Ron or Robin Berger, who I had never heard of and directed by Alan Croker. So this isn't, you know, Bragger. standard name. Mm. Again, I maybe that this resonates well with a certain part of the, the base that was there, like it doesn't really feel they're trying to recapture the feminine voice that was so present early on, but I don't get it. I, I will say that uh, this episode clearly was worthy of 100% more follow-up than the Vaudoir. Isn't that right, Peter? <laughs> the Vaudoir. Dragon's Teeth people? Oh, yeah. Those guys are just... Yeah. No <laughs> no potential there. That's just dead-end city. I couldn't even remember their name, you know, obviously. So... What what are we watching next week, Peter? What's the next episode? Uh, coming up next, we got season six, episode 12, Blink of an Eye. Uh, I don't know what's going on in this picture. Oh, it's a board meeting. Wow. Exciting. Voyager is trapped in orbit above a strange planet where time passes a thousandfold faster than the surrounding galaxy. Hey, we're going back to the, uh, what was it? Interstellar well of time dilation. Mm. This is actually a super cool uh, science fiction episode. I'll say that. Yep. Like, I don't know how good, like, specifically a Voyager it is, but it is 
a cool sci-fi episode. Well, we're due for one, and I'll take what I can get at this point because season six sucks. Same. <laughs> I will too, because we got we both. I mean, I'm looking past this one to see what we got after that. We got Virtuoso, eh? Memorial, interesting actually. Uh, then we've got Sunatse, which is the uh, the famous episode UPN WWE crossover with The Rock. What? Is that? Oh, you're not joking. Mike, oh, I'll, Jesus Christ. Mike, oh, oh, I'm so happy that you two <laughs> can experience the joys before us. Uh, the Rock episode's great. Oh, my God. The Rock episode is, is special. It can't be any worse than some of these other ones we've seen here. So. Yeah. If you say that. Taryn, Mike, get to smell I really appreciate what the Rock is cooking. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, we do. Okay. I didn't oh. believe it till I heard it in the mess hall. <laughs> Uh, Taryn, Mike, thank you so much for the both of you to assist us through what is a very difficult time in our lives. Yeah, you guys are like a life jacket as we tried to float through this sea of turds called episode season six. <laughs> no, thank you for having us once again. It's um, we we love coming along and we love just getting the uh, getting the opportunity to have a chat with you guys and and just share some laughs and have a bit of fun ripping these things apart. It's so much fun. Yeah, man, for sure. Thank you very much for having us. Anytime you want some uh, Australian guest hosts, I'd be I'd be happy to join you guys. <laughs> we we will pick no other vaguely foreign white overseas guest Podcast hosts, dudes. Yeah, like you're it. Yeah. If like absolutely, if some weird Scottish people approach us, I'm gonna say, Nah, we're done. Unless we Jamie got- comes along and deletes you guys and opens us back up for. Uh, <sighs> Hey, um, just next next episode, blink of an eye. Yeah. Just a, a question for you guys when you get to it, and something to discuss. Of course. What do you think happens to the planet? Yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting thing to talk about once we once we get yeah. there. Yeah, I won't say any more, but yeah. That is it. It's it is that is something that is unresolved. Yeah. <laughs> like they don't leave you with any idea of what happens. I'm shocked. It's- it's fucked up in a worse place, right on Voyager's brand for uh, their terror romp through the Delta Quadrant. I can't believe uh, we were able to talk for an hour and fifteen minutes about this episode. I that's why we brought you in. I'm like, I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, fifteen minutes of that was Taryn doing. That's true. Yeah, I'm sorry. So that's that's like that. Hundred percent good content. <laughs>